the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, we are taking things to space, the final frontier, if you will. Mm-hmm. We are doing an entire Star Trek episode for all those Trekkies out there, which my brother John is one of those Trekkies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is really one. Of, this is an episode that he decided on. Uh, we've already did. We already did uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. I think when we talked Explorers, if that's right, way we back, way back in like our first year. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we are in the sixth year now. Um, and so today we are going to be talking Star Trek: First Contact, which is a Next Generation uh, film that came out. Uh, it was theatrical. And then we were going to discuss the 90s show Deep Space Nine, Star Trek mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine. And then, John, tell us, we're doing something totally different for our casting. So I didn't want to just recast the next-gen cast, partly because, you know, I, I'm i partial to them. Second, because uh, Picard just had, like, almost the entire cast back for season three, which yeah. it ju- the season just ended. Honestly, it's the best season you can honestly, oh, really? if you if you haven't seen any of them, to be perfectly honest, you can skip the first two seasons. Wow! The I first season. You told me the second one wasn't very good, but I no, thought you the, liked first the first one, one was okay. The second one was not good, uh, even though it had some familiar characters in it, and the third one was really really good. I had to get on a trial of Paramount Plus to watch Deep Space Nine, and mm-hmm. so maybe I should plow through that third season of Picard just because. Let me know if you do, and I'll. Get, there's a couple of things you need to know beforehand that happened in the first gotcha. two seasons, but it's really just a couple of small things, and that's it. Okay, all right, I will consider that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it and it ends in a big epic way, and it's it's really heartwarming, especially if you were a big fan of the original Next Gen show, like yeah. I was. Cool. All oh, right. I didn't say what we we're gonna do. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we got off on the Picard <laughs> trip. <laughs> I didn't want to just do a recasting, so Adam and I created our own shows we created and casted our own shows that we're gonna pitch uh to each other i called it build a trek build a trek <laughs> so we're just gonna you know we're we'll so our castings won't be you know we won't be casting the same characters or anything like that and maybe not even the same amount of characters and the stories will be different uh and i also did put in there that you have to uh indicate which ship you were going to use oh okay so. And all right, yeah. So yeah, we're doing like a full blown, full blown pitch for all the people out in Hollywood, for the producers and executives out there who are listening. And I know you're big fans of our podcast. Uh, you know, now's the time we are putting these pitches out. So hire us to uh, make the next <laughs> Star Trek show. Even though there are so many Star Trek things going on uh, in general, right. there there have been for a while. Um, now they've had some breaks here and there, uh, but right. there's right now there's a lot. There's what Strange New Worlds. Is a thing, yes, which is a fantastic show. Discovery, eh, I I don't watch Discovery because I didn't really dig it when I first saw it. But okay, Strange New Worlds is really good. And do they still have Below Deck? Is that still I a thing? I Think they do. I try. We tried to watch it. I think my wife liked it. I actually didn't find it all that funny. And but it's got a pretty big cult following, so okay. it is still popular. I just I couldn't get into it. 
I mean, that's pretty wild. That's three shows going on right now, or at least yeah. like in pretty recent times. So. And Below Decks is a cartoon. Yep, exactly. They have had so. one animated show before that, but that was way back right. uh, with the uh, original series. But Yeah, that was like back in the 70s, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, All right, uh, so as we mentioned, Star Trek First Contact is the movie we're talking today. It came out in 1996. John, what else happened that year? All right, well, the film was released on November 22nd, 1996. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week, Adam, you're going to love this one, was No Diggity by Blackstreet. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I thought to bag it up. Bag it up. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I thought to bag it up. She's got classes now. I love me some No Diggity. No doubt. Topping the Nielsen ratings uh, was the medical drama ER. Not much of a surprise. Right. It was a big yeah, show. Huge. huge in the 90s. And players, for about a month now, had been playing the original Tomb Raider game. Nice, with the big pointy triangle boobs. Yes, which I did read was an was actually an accident, where when they were putting in the stuff, accident might be in quotations, you never know. <laughs> For proportions, I think when they put, to put one number, they added like an extra zero on accident, and mm-hmm. then they ended up way too big. Whether that's true or not, who knows. Topping the New York Times bestseller list is a book called The Deep End of the Ocean by Jacqueline Machard. No, nothing about it. In fact, there wasn't even a Wikipedia page for it, so apparently that was... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cared. Okay. And my fun fact for 1996. In 1996, The Simpsons introduced a word that is now a popular term if you are a Marvel fan. In fact, if you are a fan of Miss Marvel, you have The Simpsons to thank for the word in Biggin. Oh, and big and bigoting. <laughs> it bigging. They created that word in an, in an episode in 1996, and then eventually went into the dictionary. And now it is uh, used for Miss Marvel and anyone else who wants to use it. So, thank you, Simpsons. Nice, right. solid. And that should show up on a TTT question in the future. There you go. That was 1996. All right, fantastic year that it was. And uh, now let's uh, travel into space, the final frontier, with Star Trek: First Contact. All right, Star Trek First Contact, 1996, directed by Jonathan Frakes. Uh, that is obviously Riker himself. This was his first uh, film. This is his feature-length debut for the director of Jonathan Frakes, but he's also directed multiple Star Wars movies and episodes of shows between Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Insurrection, Picard. He directed mm-hmm. multiple episodes of that, Discovery, and also other shows like Roswell, Castle, and Orville. He's become a very prolific uh, TV director. Sweet. Yeah. Also, no, you kidding. said Star Wars, but I know you meant Star Trek. Oh, did I say Star Wars? <laughs> I'm, my head. I'm, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a Warzy. You're a Trekkie. I'm a Warzy. Well, actually, you're you're a Warzy too. But yeah. <laughs> I like it all. I like sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, people might rip me for that. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, this film was written by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Ronald Moore. All of them worked on multiple Star Trek things. Like literally, yeah. they're Star Trek people. They keep yeah. going back to them. Uh, music for the film was done by Jerry Goldsmith. Then, of course, we've talked about him before in Next Generation and also Explorers. He also did music for Inner Space. Um, you know, Star Trek is definitely his big thing. He did the main theme and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. back in the day. The cast for this movie, Picard, is played by Patrick Stewart. You know him from the X-Men franchise. He's Professor X. He is American in, also an American dad, things like that. 
Uh, Riker, as I mentioned, played by Jonathan Frakes. I know him, honestly, best as David Xanatos in the Gargoyles mm-hmm. cartoon. That is my thing I will forever love him for. Data is played by Brent Spiner. You know him from Independence Day and its sequel, which I had no interest in watching. And he was also in Phenomenon. You remember that John Travolta movie? I don't, but go on. You don't? <laughs> you don't? Okay, I do. Unfortunately, do. It was not that good of a film. Uh, Jordy LaForge is played by LeVar Burton. And, of course, he was in Reading Rainbow and Roots and plenty of stuff. Mm-hmm. I still, I, I, I like Ken Jennings and I like uh, Mayim Bialik. I still kind of wish LeVar Burton would have been host. I know I, I know he didn't do that great. I was going to say, he, I know, I wish I wish he had done better because I was so rooting for him when he did his his thing. But the, And the truth is, Mayim Bialik, I think just did the best. I think Ken she, Jennings yeah. did a really good job too. So I, I'm glad that sure. they're two kind of like sharing it, which makes sure, sense because yeah, yeah. she still has a TV show that she's working on. So, um, mm-hmm. but I out of all of the candidates who did, I think she was the best. I think it's valid. You know, that's valid. Just, but the I, nostalgia I, boy in me just wanted to give it to Lavar. <laughs> I did too, but he just I, you could tell he was nervous. You definitely yeah. could tell he was nervous. Yeah. So, Doctor Crusher was played by Gates McFadden. Uh, just all of this as well as the actually. Uh, uh, as well as Next Generation, but she was also in Hunt for Red October, Muppets Take Manhattan, a couple mm-hmm. different things. She was a puppeteer on, uh, we talked about it when we talked Labyrinth, she was a puppeteer on, she coordinated the oh, that's right. the, uh, the puppet dance with the the puppets that, like, their heads came apart. The heads pop apart. yeah, exactly, yeah. it's kind of like on green screen or black behind it, yep, I remember. Yep. Worf is played by Michael Dorn again, uh, and he has voiced lots of video game and animated shows. Yeah. Um, he was also in the show Chips. From like the early 80s and the 70s. And if anybody remembers the cartoon I Am Weasel, he voiced Weasel. He voiced I Am Weasel huh. on that show. I believe I heard one time he is also the earningest actor in the Star Trek franchise. Because not only was he on TNG, but yeah. he did a long stint on DS9 as well. Over 100 episodes, I noticed. I, I, that was, that was yeah. a surprise for me. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Uh, and Donna Troy is played by... Uh, Marina Sirtis, and yep. she was in the movie Crash, and I remember her best, again, also from Gargoyles. Uh, she was Demona, uh, the main kind of female villain girl. Actually, and most everybody I just talked about also had like at least a one-off on Gargoyles. We talked right. about this with Gargoyles. Like, <laughs> there were a lot of ties between uh, Next Generation actors and uh, Gargoyles voices, yeah. so very cool. So this is the overall eighth film in the Star Trek uh, series, mm-hmm. and it's second to star the cast of the Star Trek Next Generation group. Yes. I believe Star Trek Generations was the one before this, which yeah. I will throw out. I have not seen any other Star Trek movie besides the more recent ones with Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. I've only seen that first one, and I don't think I've seen the other two. I never saw Into Darkness or Beyond, so... This mm-hmm. is only the second Star Trek film I've ever seen. Didn't you? Didn't we see the original movie at some point? I know we watched it when we were younger. Maybe you just don't remember. If we do, I yeah, I don't remember at all. Okay, so I, I just want to kind of talk about this movie a little bit. I, being a big Star Trek fan, I I watched some of the original movies. I was not a huge fan of the original series, so I I've seen the first movie. You know, I've seen The Wrath of Khan, which everyone considers to be the best of the original cast, and I think it is good. Do you remember the whale one? I mean, I know it's a thing. Okay. They search we, for whales. Yeah, we watched that one, too. And okay. those are really the only three in the original cast I've seen. 
I was super excited when Generations coming out because after uh, while TNG was going on, they were only making original series movies. So when to finally have a movie with this new cast, I was super excited when Generations came out. And then I saw the movie, and I was very disappointed. I did not like the movie really at all. Mm-hmm. It was super disappointing. I, uh, I don't know, just a lot about it rubbed me the wrong way. So I had a bad taste in my mouth going into First Contact. And I remember seeing this in the theater by myself because okay. nobody else wanted to go see it. And then I'll tell you what I thought of it after we finish okay. talking. All right. Yeah, we'll discuss. I've heard a thing that like every other Star Trek movie is good. So like the first one's not good, but Wrath of Khan is good. And then like, you know, what, that's kind of how it goes. That's just kind of like something I've heard that like, you know, yeah. the, the even movies are good or something like that. I mean, you can you can make that case. The one that was after Insurrection was Nemesis. And a lot of people dog on Nemesis, but I had fun watching Nemesis. I thought it was much better than Insurrection. So I, I, you know, I I'd fine. I was fine with it. All right, cool. So in the theaters, this had a budget of forty-five million dollars, which is pretty damn good budget for nineteen ninety-six, mm-hmm. uh, and it made one hundred and forty-six million. So again, that's pretty solid. The the Star Trek franchise was pretty alive and well, obviously mm-hmm. this time. All right, let's get into our scene by scene breakdown. Picard is captured by the Borg, apparently, and he's about to be assimilated with them, but it's all a dream. And then we get another little dream scare. <laughs> Something pops a, out of him. A dream within a dream. Exactly. Uh, he gets a call from an admiral. The Borg has begun their invasion. Uh, and this dream kind of tying in that he can he can hear the Borg, you know, because he, he... Now, tell me a little bit about this, because obviously I never watched this right. part of TNG, but he obviously was captured and assimilated from the Borg in this show. Yes, and I... It was... And I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bad Trekkie for not remembering exactly whether it was the end of season two <laughs> or season three. I think mm-hmm. it was season three. So he was captured by the Borg, and it was a huge... Because I actually kind of remember watching this. It was a huge cliffhanger. Because that sh- the that the season ends with you seeing Patrick Seward, Sir Patrick, if you're nasty, uh, <laughs> on the screen with the Borg implants, going uh-huh. "I am Lucutus of Borg," and then it ends, and then you got to wait six months for the next season to come out mm-hmm. and figure out, oh God, what are they going to do? And so yes, he was he was captured by the Borg, he was assimilated, and then the the uh, crew went onto the Borg ship and saved him. So how how did he become all human again? Because like they, I mean, I mean, it was it was a TV show. I'm sure. I mean, it was an 80s, late 80s, early 90s TV show. So it was very much like, oh, they did the surgery to remove all the stuff and blah gotcha. blah, blah blah blah. So they okay. got they got rid of all the tech on him, and so they, okay. that's why they cleared him back. You know, I mean, it was it was a TV show, so there, a lot of yeah. convoluted things happened all the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. Uh, so. Picard tells his officers about what's going on, and their orders apparently are to patrol neutral space in case the Romulans do anything. And of course, he wants to go in, and you know they all want to go in and attack the Borg, but it's because he was assimilated before, so they don't trust him. So the overall Starfleet doesn't doesn't trust him. And one thing that distracted me intensely, and it was because I hadn't watched, I guess, either the last movies or I didn't see the end of. Star Trek Next Generation, Jordy LaForge has bright blue android eyes or, or cyborg eyes. And I mm-hmm. just, I don't, my Jordy has the visor. And so I, it just, dist- <laughs> they're like these, these eyes, I didn't like them. <laughs> yes. So 
I mean, there's kind of a story with that. So that I think with, I think in the first movie in Generations, he has the visor. And the visor, from what I understand, was never particularly comfortable. And so when they got to the movies, and they're clearly, they're farther along in in their career, the characters, I think uh, LeVar Burton finally said, listen, wouldn't they have implants by now? Can I just have implants? (laughs) He he didn't want to wear the visor. (laughs) Sure. So I I think that's really what it came down to. Because even in... Uh, even in Picard, the series, he doesn't have the visor as well. But he, he looked like a super cool black Cyclops, and I always <laughs> liked that. <laughs> I, you know? I I agree, but I think I think it was an, an, an actor's request, so sure. I, you kind of have to sure. respect well, that. It bugged me, so but I still respect Lamar okay. Burton. All right, so Picard uh, and Riker um, talk a little bit. He you know lets them know about you know that nothing's going on in the neutral zone and all this kind of shit. Um, then they hear that the rest of Starfleet is engaging with the Borg, and they're just getting slaughtered. Uh, and the Empire just has to, Enterprise just has to listen on. Captain Picard, he can take no more! And so they're going to head to Earth, because uh, that's where the Borg is, is attacking, kind of right around that area, and so they're going to head that way. Uh, so we get there, we see a battle the battle commence, and we see Worf is leading his own crew. So I guess in one of the earlier times, he left Next Generation, or he, in the last movie, he went on to go captain his own ship so by by now um he was a regular on ds9 and okay even though even though it takes place on a space station eventually they get the ship the defiant in the uh-huh. which is why he is captaining the defiant okay all right so he's got his own little ship there and yeah um i did notice it stood out like crazy one of the one of the other characters in his defiant ship was played by adam scott you know, from oh, Parks and Rec, yeah. from, but from Party Down, he was literally like he, you see him like calling on comms or something um, on the Defiant. So he's oh one cool, of I missed that. I, I have to go back and Worf's, watch that. Yep. So the Enterprise comes in to join the fight, um, and uh, Picard takes control of the fleet, and he gets them all to fire on this specific spot on the cube because Picard has this intricate knowledge of the Borg that no one else does because he was assimilated and all this kind of stuff, and he got out. Um, so, like the exposed exhaust port of the Death Star, the cube gets wrecked from all shooting this one port, this one little spot. I made that exact same joke as we were watching the movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, but there is this small Borg ball, uh, if you will, ship that continues towards Earth. Um, and it, again, convoluted stuff here, creates a temporal vortex that the Empire Enterprise, I keep saying Empire, sorry, my... <laughs> Enterprise uh, follows well, that, them that, in. That, the sphere looks a lot like the Death Star, so yeah, it does. But so the Enterprise follows that sphere, and it goes through this temporal vortex thing. Apparently, Earth is all Borg or something, but they need to go back in time to stop the Borg from before time, so they don't make that happen. And so they apparently can just travel through time because of this temporal vortex. So now they're in the mid twenty first century, twenty sixty three. Yes, and if you've okay. watched, uh, even if you watch a cursory amount of Star Trek, time travel is a constant thing that happens in Star Trek. So that's why I don't question it because it happens a lot. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm about to be like, uh, damn near every single movie. It's weird. There's two movies that I do not question time travel, and that is Back to the Future. I was gonna say I hope one of them is Back to the Future since the whole premise of the movies exactly. On that. And then the other is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I just allow it. But like 
in almost every other time travel stuff, when you're talking Harry Potter's time travel, when you're talking the Avengers time travel, when you're talking, uh, you know, a- any of these other time travels that have happened in the Indiana Jones one that's going to be coming up, it just it causes too much fuck ups. Like there, there's too <laughs> many issues that come from it and, and, and uh, anomalies and paradoxes and all this kind of stuff that I have trouble allowing it. But for those two movies, whatever it is, my brain can click off and I'm just like, fuck yeah, go back in time. Fuck your mom. I don't care. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, we're back in time and uh, the Borg is firing on this small community. Uh, the Enterprise is able to basically destroy the Borg ball at this point. Um, and they were finding out that they are trying to stop Earth's first warp drive flight. So there's this important moment in Earth history that happened in 2063 in the Star Trek universe of uh, first contact. So there's this guy, Cro- uh, Severin Cochran. Cochran. Yeah, Severin Cochran. He does the first warp drive is where other aliens notice that, oh, humans who were kind of worthless before, we just left them alone. Now they have warp drive. We should make contact and have peaceful interactions, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that was such a that, that changed the tide of everything for humanity, worldwide peace and all this kind of stuff. So they were trying to so the Borg, who apparently hates the humans so much, were trying to stop that and all that right. kind of stuff for them expanding. So, uh, so Picard and the others go down to Earth to kind of check the wreckage, and they check this uh, warp ship. This woman who was kind of holed up in there fires on them and. Uh, data goes down he takes all the gunfire she's freaked out <laughs> and he stops her apparently we also get some radiation poisoning stuff that's going on um that's how she got knocked out and whatnot yeah. they're, but they're, they're, they're also right. in a rush because they have to keep the timeline as is like if they don't do that warp drive test flight at the exact time basically then it's go- not going to continue human history the way that it should yeah. So, and that woman was played by uh, Alfrey Woodard. Yes, it- I, um, I didn't notice she hadn't done. She's done some stuff, but like, nothing. I recognize. Uh, I recognized her name okay. immediately. Yeah, she played uh, Lily. We'll find out is her uh, name coming yeah. up. Is she's. She- I mean, she's been a ton of stuff. She's a like a kind of like a character actor who pops up in mm-hmm. things all the time. She does. Yeah, over a hundred something credits. Um. Oh, she voiced in the more recent Lion King. She voiced Sarabi, if anybody, if you guys. I don't know. I honestly don't know too many people that liked that more recent Lion King. Um, Didn't like it. Why? Because you have the 90s version, which is cartoon. And also, those characters can actually emote. And they're not meant to just look like lions. Which, guess what? Lions are not humans. And they can't (laughs) have our facial structure. But cartoon (laughs) ones work. Um, So sometimes don't make everything seem like it's live action. Anyway, that's just (laughs) another little diatribe. There we go. So. Oh, she was in uh, Luke Cage as well. That's probably where I recognize her. She's yeah. in 23 episodes of Luke Cage. So, yes, I definitely would have seen her there. She was also right. in Primal Fear, if you remember that uh, uh, yeah, Richard uh, Gere movie. Richard Gere, Phil. That's a very good movie. Yeah. That might be another one we have to throw on. Yeah. Yeah, if we can squeeze it in. So, uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, she they, they take her up to the uh, Enterprise. Um, they're look- And others are looking around. They're trying to find Cochran, um, but they can't. He's the person who is the the person who has to do this first warp flight. All right. Meanwhile, a couple of red shirts get killed and assimilated. Um, explain. I'm sure people know what red shirt is, but explain the idea. What is a red shirt? I mean, the red shirt phenomenon really came, I think from the original series where whenever the main cast went down to a new planet, they would take a couple of 
security officers with them or something like that, and they were always guys in red shirts, and they were always the yeah. ones who died first. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it, it got to the point where it wasn't always necessarily somebody who was red shirt, but if it was somebody who was not part of the main cast, you knew they were going to die. <laughs> yeah. Unless they were, unless the story was focusing on that character, you know, they may not even if they even if they had names, they were they were probably mm-hmm. going to die in the episode. Yeah. And so now, red shirt is just a it's a colloquial colloquialism for like a, you're fodder. Literally, yeah. you are yeah. just gunfire fodder. Yeah. So. And then again, we kind of get some hints that Picard can hear the Borg and whatnot. Uh, so anyway, he goes back up to the Enterprise, um, and he knows because he can hear him that the Borg is on board. And now they're starting to hack the systems of the Enterprise uh, because they are—they're like this mix. Now you—you you have told me before uh-huh. the Borg is one of your favorite villains in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, I think they're one of the most interesting ones because they're very difficult because it's kind—it's of, like zombies. It's a hive. It's a—it's mm-hmm. that swarm mentality. Um, they are a a biological and technologically combined yeah. group, and they're not necessarily like a species because they'll they'll assimilate any species, but you only ever see humans assimilated, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just for budgetary reasons. So they're racist. They're motherfucking <laughs> racist. Is these goddamn board? But you're right. So th- what makes them kind of? I guess <laughs> they're uh, uh, what makes them unique to some extent is so they are yeah both biological but they can also like they can talk to technology they're incredibly strong with technology and can yeah. adjust it to their own needs you know in an instant yeah so they've developed technology that is kind of like a virus like they put it into mm-hmm. you and like the nanobots convert your body and mm-hmm. uh stuff, stuff like that it's it's a really interesting idea all right uh crusher uh, needs Robert Picardo. He's playing a doctor. I know he had a small role on TNG as well. No, so he oh, he's, was he's a droid. He, he was the no. He's a hologram. Oh, he's a hologram. Okay, he's a hologram. Uh, he is the regular doctor on Voyager. Okay, see, I th- yeah that this this like cameo from Picardo. I had no idea. I was, I was like, hey, Robert Picardo. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't. Really yeah. Know so what was he going on. was the medical officer on Voyager, but he's a hologram program. Okay, so, so they, it's so, kind of sim- so they had similar things to where you know how like Data is like always striving to be human and yeah. and he doesn't quite understand everything with the hologram program. He's basically an IA or AI computer hologram that is the okay. Doctor on the Voyager. So by the time this movie came out, Next Generation was done. Yes, uh, Deep Space Nine was like mid of what it was doing, and Voyager was pretty much probably just starting or a couple years in. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, all right. So yeah. Wow, a lot of so much Star Trek in the nineties, man. Oh yeah, yeah. That was like that's like prime Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Picard and the crew are preparing for the fight as Riker and Troy find Zephram Cochran, who is a complete drunk, yeah. massive drunk. Um, and I didn't mention played by James Cromwell. Uh, he's a gr- another great actor who you see on the side for a lot of stuff. Again, character stuff. He's done tons of stuff. A lot of people our generation and, and around us John, will remember him as the guy from babe like he, yeah. he was that'll do pig like that that's him <laughs> fun fact i've never actually seen babe oh it's it's, it's cute i never saw babe pig in the city right. but like that first movie is, is pretty damn cute but i mean he's yeah. a he's a big time character actor he shows up at all yeah. kinds of things i green, mean I, he's I, the green miles green mile yeah. i remember from him or remember yep. of him most but he pops up in all kinds of things yep oh shit he was uh i see that he even reprised uh zephram cochran in Lower Decks for one episode. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. That's, that they, that's cool. They pulled him on, so. All right, nice. So, Picard and crew, uh, they find 
Crusher, uh, who is kind of points people were separated and whatnot. That Lily lady is elsewhere, though, and the crew sees lots of Borg who have assimilated with other crew and whatnot. And the, uh, one thing that I thought was really weird, and I'm going to call this out right now. <laughs> one thing. This is, this is something that Picard establishes early on in the movie, and it's just something that they keep doing, but I just don't understand it. Sure. Where they're like, oh, put lower your weapons. The Borg won't attack until they consider you a threat. Yeah, that's always been a thing. Has so that the, always been a thing? Yes. Okay. So the very first time they transport over to the Borg cube, the very first time you really see the Borg, the Borg don't engage with them if nothing has happened because they don't. If they don't consider them a threat, they're you're beneath them, so they don't. Okay. They don't bother with you unless they need you for something or you know like they've been ordered to take you or something like that. They just ignore you, so okay. they're able to move around the cube without, as long as they not but like the second they start disturbing anything, yeah, they'll, they they'll turn on them. Okay, it just seems weird to me. I guess probably because I hadn't seen that and seen that, that was a thing. Because mm-hmm. my mentality, the Borg, as you put it earlier, is very virus-like. Yes, viruses don't wait for something you know to be a threat. They just spread and they spread and they spread. So maybe that explains why the Borg still isn't always the only threat. They're not always spreading it on because sometimes they, you know, if you don't fuck with them, they don't fuck with you. Um, that so. well, that and. I mean, you think of it like literally like a hive, like they have jobs, like mm. they're they're They had a job to do. They're doing something. So they just do that job until something pulls them off of that job. See, yeah. When I think of that, I think like, you know, ants and stuff like that. And I kick over every anthill because I fucking hate ants. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll allow that. All right, uh, but it does eventually happen because they, they get into a fight and all this kind of stuff, and the crew must fall back, uh, but Data gets captured, and he gets pulled in, and Picard has to kill a crew member. There's this one guy who's like, Picard, uh, help me, help me, and Picard just pulls up his fucking phaser, boom, kills him instantly. What a what a pimp. That's like a badass, intense move right there. That makes me think of uh, Starship Troopers. I'd expect any of you to do the same for me. <laughs> exactly. So... Um, when, uh, falling back, Picard kind of gets separated and, uh, he gets held up by Lily, uh, you know, the woman from the current timeline who got pulled up there by Crusher. We see Data is getting interrogated by, uh, the Borg and he hears the voice of the Borg Queen. Um, was the Borg Queen established before this or was this her introduction? So this was her introduction. Um, there was nothing about any kind of like Borg Queen in the TV show ever. Um, however, uh, the Borg Queen was created because the writers, the original intent was for it to be a Borg central computer as like the big thing. They were having trouble writing dialogue for the <laughs> computer for it to make sense. So they changed it up so that it was a queen who had more humanity. Mm-hmm. And so they could oh, make and, it. And she gets, she wants to get freaky deaky too. Things get a little <laughs> strange. <laughs> <laughs> they do get a little weird. Uh, I, and I think that's why they created the queen because they needed they needed to be able to have more of a more better better dialogue yeah sure i mean it makes sense though too because like you know your main villain just be i mean well i'll say that like main villain just being a computer but then i go back to hal um and that was a pretty damn good villain um but right but it's not quite the same right i agree yeah all right Riker tells Cochran uh, about the truth about you know why they're there and they're from the future and all this kind of stuff which he doesn't believe it is until Jordy shows him the Enterprise with his uh, with a telescope that they've mm-hmm. got. So that's his proof. And so uh, they want him to do this trip as planned, and they explain the importance of it. And he's kind of 
hesitant at first, we'll say. Yeah. So back on the ship, the Borg are continuing to attack and they're continuing to work on data. They're just kind of kind of keep pushing and keep pressuring. Picard is kind of pressed on by Lily. You know, he knows she's doesn't understand anything what's going on. So he opens up like a window, if you will, uh, from from their deck and shows them that we're way above Earth right now. Um, and so she's obviously freaked the fuck out. Um, she's incredibly nervous and scared, but he does gain her trust in this scene. Uh, Data eventually does meet the Borg Queen. She comes in and she has uh, reactivated his emotion chip, which is something that he uh, deactivated earlier. We see that she's actually grafting human skin onto his body and she's giving him like the actual feeling of sensation and she kind of blows on the skin and he gets that sensation um, and he can feel he's kind of becoming human because Data even mentions here that he wishes he was human. That's what he wants. Yeah. And she's kind of giving that to him. So They kind of established that during the show that that's kind of like his aspiration is to be more human. And and it kind of makes sense um, because why she is doing this because, you know, the Borg are a hybrid. They're a cyborgs. They're mm-hmm. hybrid of both biological and mechanical. And so Data is all mechanical. And so she's now kind of like turning him into a little bit more like her by adding this flesh to him. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, Picard and Lily are exploring the ship. They find some Borgs and uh, he kind of guides them around them and um, all this kind of stuff. Uh, he then at one point shoots them and is trying to bring them over to the holodeck to confuse them. Um, and he puts on the holodeck like it's a great Gatsby party or some shit. So this is another throwback to the TV show. He often uh, does this character. It's Dick's something. I can't remember what the character <laughs> yeah. is. It's like a, it's a noir. It's like a it's like a murder yeah. mystery, and he he it, it, this pops up a number of times. Uh, there's another uh, cameo um, when they first turn it on. There's a guy who you ta- that he talks to. The very first guy he talks to, the one who kind of gets thrown by the Borg mm. in a few uh-huh. minutes, uh, is played by I believe his name is Ethan Phillips. He plays an alien on Voyager. Okay. Um, so you, I mean, you can see his face, but he typically has a lot of makeup on yeah. in the show. So they used to, the actor just kind of cameo, okay, uh, for this uh, one part. The holodeck stuff is just it just felt like it, you know, not not for this. I'm not. I'm just talking TNG. Uh-huh. It just felt like a way for the writers to be like, hey, let's get off the Enterprise for a bit. Let's do something wacky, uh, and hey, so that's kind of what they do. Listen, the holodeck is the whole reason. Where if you ask me what's spaceship i could have in real life it would be the enterprise so i could have the holodeck yeah you just be anywhere do whatever yeah so all right um so yeah during this meeting it's obviously some uh, talking to gangsters and like this it's this whole pre-recorded you know scenario uh and so at one point this this is what is where i don't understand the holodeck is because at one point uh, picard pulls out a tommy gun and he shoots the borg with the tommy gun But it's actually a real Tommy gun. And his explanation is, well, I disengaged the safety protocols. But, like, it's a holodeck, so it's a hologram. It's not real Tommy gun, but I guess, is it really the Tommy gun? I I don't know. So, I'm fucking having to nerd out here. Uh, So, the safety protocols is something that they've addressed in the the show. 
Okay. Um, and if you, if you think about this, you're able to physically interact with the things in the holodeck. So there has to be some form of matter to them. Think about they have the the matter creators. Like if you want any food you want, oh, you remember yeah. that from the show. It's so it's literally all it is is it's using matter to create the scenario. So if you have a safety protocol in where you know no person can actually get harmed, then it'll make the bullets just regular holograms. But it will if you tear, turn them off. If you need more physicality, it will use matter. Okay. All right. I'll allow that. That makes sense. Okay. Totally makes sense. All right. So uh, anyway, he kills some of those Borgs and he pulls out this memory chip. He says all Borgs have some kind of memory chip in them. I don't know why the memory chip was in his abdomen, but (laughs) but whatever. He pulls that out. Uh, Jordy helps prep uh, the warp ship and Cochran in general. Very uncomfortable. He's obviously this drunk guy. He's, He's not interested in hearing about how famous he is and all, all all these people look up to him every single right. one of the people around them and so he's freaking out he uh leaves to take a leak is what he says all right we then cut back to picard and lily they do get to the bridge hold on before, picard- before you before you talk that i gotta talk uh-huh. about one thing uh sure. which is there is a little cameo uh from a, a, a character who happened that happens quite a bit on on tng uh called barkley he's an engineering guy he's okay. played by Dwight Schultz, who is Mad Dog Murdoch on the A Team. Oh, I totally didn't notice him at all. Yeah, I, I, yeah. He's okay. he's one of the guys who comes up to Cochran and and when he's talking to Jordine's like, sir, it's just it's an absolute honor. He's very awkward because the character it's a Barkley is very very awkward uh, and like there's a couple of interesting episodes with him in the show. But it's Dwight Schultz from the A Team. Nice. All right. Awesome. Love Mad Dog. So, Super Card says that they need to use this memory card to find out what they're uh, what the Borg is doing. Um, and we find out that they're trying to contact the other Borg of this current time. So apparently out in space on a totally different quadrant, as they call them, the Borg is, is active, but they're now trying to get them to come over here uh, and, and, you know, combine forces, yeah. basically. Uh, so Picard, Worf, and Hawk. Uh, Hawk is played by uh, Neil McDonough. Um, was he a TNG guy? Did he come in no. late on that show or no, something? No, he was just in this film. Oh, okay. So anyway, so they... That makes sense as to why he dies. So he was basically a redshirt. <laughs> so, uh, so they go outside uh, of the ship, you know, in these little suits that are kind of gravitized on the, uh, on the feet to stop the Borg beacon from being completed. So um, we also see the Borg are continuing to replace Data's synthetic skin with natural skin. And he is, uh, at first, at one point, able to almost escape, and he's trying to get away. But then his skin gets cut, and he feels pain for, like, the first time. Borg Queen is talking about this whole discussion of, oh, do you should do you want to tear your skin from your arm? And, you know, or you want to be tempted by the flesh and all this kind of stuff. She's doing all this to prove some kind of a fucking point. And then she... I was not expecting this. <laughs> she comes on to Data hard. Are you familiar with physical forms of pleasure? If you are referring to sexuality, I am fully functional, programmed in multiple techniques. How long has it been since you've used them? Eight years, seven months, 16 days, four minutes, 22. Far too long. 
and they make out. And I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. So, I think I was surprised okay. when I saw that too the first time. Yeah. All right. Riker and the Earth crew have to track down Cochran, who is when he went to take a leak, he's actually running away. And so they're all trying to, they, they end up surrounding him and getting him. And Riker's done with him being a little pussy, basically. And he shoots him with a stun laser. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> Boom. Shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, and then Picard, Hawk, and Worf have to kind of circle around the Borg. Again, using that tactic that they won't attack you if you don't attack them, attack them or anything. And so they're trying to set up these magnetic resistor things. And then you have to shoot some of the Borg who flat out into flat float float out into space and all this kind of shit. Worf has to hand-to-hand fight one of them. He pulls out, like, not quite one of the, the bat lifts, or what, is that what they're called? Yeah. The but he's big, got, like, a little, like, a knife kind of thing. And it has a name, and I can't remember what it is. Sure. Of course it does. Yeah. I mean, everything in Star Trek and Star Wars has its own little name and its own separate book to explain <laughs> what it is. Exactly. But uh, he kind of gets his suit compromised, and then Hawk, uh, who, you know, he ends up getting assimilated. He fought a Borg and lost that one, and then Picard... Uh, is unable to hook the beat, unhook the beacon. Um, but then Hawk comes in and about to, you know, kill him until Worf shoots him away, and we see that he protected his suit with the arm of the other person or mm-hmm. this other Borg and whatever. <laughs> the cheesiest thing in this whole section was when the beacon was floating into space, uh-huh. and Worf says, "Assimilate this." <laughs> assimilate this and shoots it like that was that was god awful oh you you didn't love that (laughs) i hated that as much as i love like arnold one-liners that was was gonna say arnold said some really bad (laughs) one-liners you're gonna dog on assimilate this yeah arnold shot uh alligators and said your luggage boom that's that's better (laughs) (laughs) this was so it didn't even make any sense assimilate this (laughs) it made sense to me all right on Earth, Cochran is apparently calmed down a bit, and he's going to be doing the mission. Um, and, you know, he tells Riker that he isn't happy with everything, and he's not happy with the fame. He built the ship for money. He was doing all this just so he could make a shit ton of money and retire off of that and live on a beach, you know, with sexy ladies, and that was his life. And honestly, that's a pretty damn good goal, and I, I kind of <laughs> hope that happens for him. <laughs> My whole take on that is is that in in the actual timeline or in the, in the past... May, that may have been his intention, but I yeah. think when they meet the aliens and he realizes that he probably changes his ways. I What confirms what you just said is where Riker tells him a quote right. that he said like four or whatever years after this, which again, yeah, references that he did kind of, he got into that mentality of changing the world. So yeah, you're right. You're right. So... Uh, on the deck, Worf recommends that they leave the Enterprise now. They have to they blow it up. You know, the Borg are on here. We, we blow it up, and then we'll be done. Uh, but Picard doesn't want to do this. He is vehement about not giving up and not letting the Borg win and not blowing up the Enterprise. Uh, calls Worf a fucking coward and, you know, for wanting to run and shit like this, which for a Klingon, that's that's, that's like a huge insult. Yeah, the worst thing, which a good line. And I do. I, you got to love this. Because Worf, obviously, he respects the fuck out of Picard right. all the time. And he said, if you were any other man, I would kill you where you st- where you stand. You're afraid. You want to destroy the ship and run away, you coward. John Luke. If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Get off my bridge. 
Yeah. And Picard just kind of keeps standing up and pushing him down, um, and he just backs away. But like a Klingon to do that, even I know, who's not a big Trekkie, knows that's an intense thing. Yeah. So. Honor is like the big thing for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lily then kind of goes into Picard's office to talk to him and convince him about what staying on board is stupid. We have this opportunity to kill all of them right now. And, but he is saying he's the only one. He has a fairly intense scene here, which dives into overacting. John, look, blow up the damn ship. No, no. I will not sacrifice the enterprise. We've made too many compromises already. Too many retreats. They invade our space, and we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds, and we fall back. Not again. The line must be drawn here, this far, no farther. I will make them pay for what they've done. <laughs> the line must be drawn here, no farther. Yeah, yeah exactly. Where he's the only one who understands the Borg. Because he explains he was once assimilated, and she calls him out that he only wants revenge. And he's like, "No, we're I'm from a you know later time, and where we're beyond this bullshit." And she calls him refer. Uh, she references it. No, sorry. She um, she calls him Ahab. Equates him. Yeah, she equates him to Captain Ahab in Moby Dick, um, and that you know him refusing to blow up his ship is just it's his white whale and all this kind of mm-hmm. bullshit. Um, and he gets way too angry. He's like, "No!" And he breaks his. <laughs> Breaks this glass with all the other enterprises, you know, his little models in it. it broke it's just weird. He, huh? I, her line, she has that small line at the end where it's like, you broke her little ships. Yeah, and he, he right now wants to just draw the line and make them pay. But again, she kind of mentions the Ahab thing. And he eventually kind of realizes, oh, maybe he's... Uh, He's being a, a dick. <laughs> and he quotes Moby Dick because of that. And he kind of calms down, gets rational. And he goes out, tells the crew that they're going to evacuate. So, all right. Uh, meanwhile, the warp flight is going. They're getting started to go. I thought it was a little strange that Jordy and um, Riker joined him for it because that would have happened. That would not have happened in history. Why are they doing that now? I I think to make sure that he goes through with it. That must be because I guess I guess where I thought it was happening was I thought while he was out on his warp drive shit flight. That's where he met the aliens. It's the aliens come to Earth, and so I guess it's not that yeah. big of a deal that they're on the flight with him. Right. It's so that I'll allow it, but it did, when I first saw them, I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute, he's the one who's supposed to be doing this flight. What the fuck? Right. But they did. They do say earlier that they see the ship doing the warp drive, and mm. they decide to make it stop on Earth. You're right. You're right. So, so it's okay. Nobody else has to know that the Riker and Jordy are on the ship except sure. for Cochrane. He just doesn't have to tell anyone. Yep. So. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the warp flight is, is going and they're putting it out there and the Enterprise crew is beginning the self-destruct sequence. Uh, Picard apologizes to Worf and on the bridge about to say goodbye to the Enterprise, but then Data speaks to Picard through kind of this, you know, internal Borg talk or whatever, if you will, mm-hmm. in his head. Almost wants to leave. He almost wants to bail out before doing the warp drive. But what does he need? Johnny's got to put on his fucking music and he cranks up Steppenwolf's magic carpet ride. <laughs> he's just, he's an interesting dude and the ship, uh, you know, goes off and does that and et cetera. Good shit. As everyone le- else leaves the Enterprise, Picard is going to stay because he wants to try to save Data and honestly also just kind of wants to probably go down with the ship. So he heads over to find him. Uh, the Borg Queen comes up to him 
we see Data also comes out who has more flesh parts. Part of his face has now been uh, humanized, if you will. Picard calls out the Queen um, why he was kind of assimilated to the Borg as well. He's kind of put this theory together that the Queen wanted a counterpart. She wanted mm-hmm. uh, him, she wanted Picard to be assimilated so he could be not quite a mate, but to have someone together like a with her. companion. A companion, an equal, as he kind yeah. of puts it. Yeah. And he offers himself, hey, I will be your your companion if we, if we can save Data and let him go. Uh, but nope, she doesn't need Picard any longer. She's got Data as her lover now. Uh, <laughs> and so she has Data go and stop the self-destruct sequence. And he overrides the encryptment co- uh, encryption codes. And so she gives her full com- control of the ship and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so Picard seems a little fucked right now. On the warp ship, Jordy, Jordy, Riker, and Cochran are about to warp. As they're about to head over, and then, but back on the Enterprise, Data is going to shoot the ship. He's going to use photon, photon torpedoes and shoot the ship. One last shot to ruin the warp flight and you know fuck over the humans. Uh, so he sends out those torpedoes, but they miss. And they miss on purpose because yep. Data was never actually fully tempted, if you will. He then shatters this weird container thing. Has this. I guess radiation stuff or whatever that kills all organic matter, which uh, data isn't made of organic matter except for the skin that's been put on him. Uh, But the queen is a mix of both. And so it ends up kind of eating her up besides her tech parts. And Picard is able to climb up, climb up above the fumes. uh, And so she effectively dies from that. Yeah. Now the only, the only problem I have here is for my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong if you have something, you usually have like a setup, reinforce, payoff. Yeah. Here they skipped reinforce. They in didn't the very mention be- it very quickly. They, yeah, they mentioned earlier. it very briefly at the very beginning when they realized the board were taking over. But at no point do they ever reinforce that idea. So when it happens, if you've forgotten that that ha- that that part, you won't. You'll, you'll be like, how did they know that was going to work? I've seen. Then, I mean, I've seen the movie enough to know that they talk about it at the beginning. But I do agree there should have been another way to reinforce that somewhere in the middle of the film. It would have helped because it did. It was a thing for me where I was like, "Wait a minute, what the fuck is this?" And then I kind of had to go back into my brain, like, "Oh yeah, they mentioned this some kind of substance that that eats organic matter." Like, right. but that was it. Like, it needed one more, and that's why you do the setup, reinforce, and then and then payoff. Because that's where it, ultimately you need those three times to get the most satisfaction out of it. Otherwise, right. you kind of end up like me, like, oh, okay, I understood it eventually, but it it wasn't immediate. Right. So, Picard uh, is able to get all that fume sucked out, you know, by a vent or whatnot, um, and he gets to the Borg's head's queen, which is still kind of writhing around a little bit, and he breaks it in half. Uh, and Data explains that he was tempted slightly for like point. Zero six two seconds or whatever right. that it was, uh, but he's still loyal, and so we get some narration that the warp flight was a success and that history has been corrected and the aliens that arrived uh, they do come down to Earth and the aliens are Vulcans and we yep. get a whole live long and prosper line, uh, all this kind of shit and Picard goes and says goodbye to Lily. They almost embrace. It it really looked to me like if Picard stayed one more night, he would have fucked her. <laughs> They would have banged, without question. And then, uh, you know, he could have been his own grandpa. I think they were were almost there. 
But uh, we cut back to the Enterprise, and they, I guess, can still somehow recreate the temporal anomaly, whatever, and go back to their own time. That doesn't explain it all, but eh, whatever. And then they go back to their own time, and it shows that Cochrane uh, is showing the Vulcans music and alcohol, and that's the end of the movie. So let, mm-hmm. let me start. Sure. This is your movie. I thought, and I'm not a big Trekkie guy. And so a lot of stuff did go over me. I didn't get as much out of it, obviously, as you did. You were talking about all these cameos and knowing about all this backstory. I still knew enough about Star Trek sure. to, to feel like I could follow the movie just fine. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I felt the movie went. Fine. I didn't think it was exceptional. I didn't think it was terrible. Things were pretty good. And other stuff I thought was pretty fucking cheesy. Graphics didn't hold up, but it's 1996. I, I give right. it a pass for that. The time travel, I've already ripped them on. It's just most of the time, I just feel like that doesn't make any sense. Like, where does this come from? I think that's dumb. But, you know, I I was happy enough with the movie. Do I want to watch it again? No. I have no interest in watching it again. But if I'm forced to, like if I'm watching your kids <laughs> and you've turned them into Trekkie freaks, and I'm just kidding, not Trekkie freaks, but just Trekkies, <laughs> and they want to watch it, I won't whine about it. How about that? Sure. Uh, okay, so uh, yesterday my wife wanted to go see the new Dungeons and Dragons movie. I theaters. heard that's so well, good. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot awesome. of fun. And we took the kids, but they didn't go see Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we let them go see the new Mario film, uh, which my my daughter said was too. yeah. My daughter said was fine, and my son kept raving about. So I think okay. he got more out of it than she did. So I, I told them I was like, all right, but well, we have to go home and watch another movie. Because I wanted them to watch this. Because we've never really shown them Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my daughter didn't last. I mean, she was already <laughs> tired. She was not interested. I was not surprised there. My son, I think he liked it. We got nice. we, he kept He kept making comments and, like, positive comments and stuff like that. So I think he actually really did enjoy it. It helped that nice. it was he was sitting there with me and my wife, who both of us are already big Trekkies. You you can answer any questions for him, you yeah, know, fill in exactly. the gaps. Exactly. And so back to my original story about seeing this the theater, I had had a bad taste in my mouth from generations. And so I kind of was going in like I, I think I'd even thought of the idea of just not going to see it. Like, mm. I just won't go see it. Well, no, it's Star Trek. All right, fine, I'll go see it. And then I walked out of that movie, and maybe it was because, you know, I mean, Granted, this was 1996. Also, had not been, uh, had not had a good experience with Generations. I came out of this movie going, "That was a damn good Star Trek movie. It was a lot of fun, cool uh, graphics and action. It was fun to see the Borg. I always love seeing the Borg. So this has always been one of my. I mean, it's probably my favorite Star Trek movie. I, a lot of people will cite that Wrath of Khan is the best one. I don't give a shit if you think Wrath of Khan is the best one. <laughs> I think this is the best one. Um, okay. Also, I'm not a huge fan of the original series, as I mentioned, yeah. so I don't really care. Um, I was kind of disappointed that, that we never uh, got a Deep Space Nine or a Voyager film to kind of complement any of that stuff, mm. but I kind of understand why we didn't either. I don't think those shows were as big as TNG sure. got. It's hard to say. But, uh, you know, as a Trekkie, I love it. All right, now we're going to talk Star Trek Deep Space Nine. This show lasted from 1993 to 1999. 
seven seasons, 176 episodes. It was in syndication, uh, so it might have been a different uh, network wherever you were. I think it was on UPN in our area, but I can't really remember. I might be confusing that with Voyager, um, because I know Voyager was on UPN. I think they both were. Okay, so yeah, so I think in our area, UPN got uh, Deep Space Nine. So the cast for this show, Commander Ben Sisko was played by Avery Brooks. Uh, he was in American History X. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in the show Spencer for Hire, had his own spinoff for his character called A Man Called Hawk. Was, uh, his character was Hawk, and so he had his own little short spinoff that didn't last. Uh, his son, Jake Sisko, is played by Sirach, uh Lofton. He had a few other things, but nothing major that mm-hmm. I noticed. Constable Odo is played by Rene. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I have seen him all over the place, and I can guarantee yes. you, whoever is listening right now, have seen Rene Aubergenois uh, anywhere because he was in Patriot, he was in the MASH movie, he was on Boston Legal, he's been on tons of stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, we lost him several years ago, but. Yeah, true. True. Uh, Dr. Julian Bashir is played by Alexander Siddig. He was in Kingdom of Heaven, Reign of Fire. He was on the Gotham show mm-hmm. recently as well. Uh, Chief. He was in Game of Thrones. What's up? He was in Game of Thrones. Oh, he was? I don't remember that. Yes. He played. Oh. Um, what was the name of the desert people? The one that Pedro uh, Pascal. The people that Pedro Pascal came from. Oh, yeah. That was the. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, he plays. It's, it's gone for by him. Alexander Siddig played the king, who was kind of sickly, who eventually gets killed. Oh, by the that's three that girls. guy. Okay, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah he, yeah, he had uh, Dorn. Dorn. Yes, Dorn. There you go. Kingdom of Dorn. Okay, all right. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Star Trek stuff. So, or sorry, <laughs> sorry, Star Trek, and then also Star Wars. I've been doing. I, I've been watching Andor. Kind of that's the only thing. But then also all the other stuff going on. Uh, so. Game of Thrones stuff has been pushed out of my brain. Right. I had a, it's all gone now. So anyway, uh, cool. Uh, Chief Miles uh, O'Brien was played by Colm Meany. Uh, and we've talked about him. You know, he was in Con Air. We discussed yep. he's also his character was in Next Generation as yeah, well. Yes, I mean, he became a pretty big regular on Next Gen. And he he made the jump over to Deep Space Nine before Worf did. Yeah, I, I watched I watched. Episode one. Well, episode one was a, a 90 minute film, of course, or a 90 minute movie. So I watched that and he, him. You see Picard kind of relieving him of his duties to go join Deep Space Nine. So mm. I kind of I, I figured that out through context. Yeah. But he was also in uh, Colomini was also in Under Siege, uh, Last of the Mohicans as well. Yep. So very good actor. Uh, Major Kira uh, Neres Neres is played by Nana Visitor. Mm hmm. She, uh, small one-offs on many shows. She's actually been on a lot of stuff, but I just couldn't remember off the top. I couldn't see anything particularly that was a standout. Uh, Quark is played by Armin Shimmerman. Uh, he voiced, uh, Dr. Nefarious in multi, in the Ratchet and Clank franchise of video games. The villain on that. Uh, we kind of talked about him briefly on the Buffy show. He was Uh, the principal on, uh, the Buffy show and he's done plenty of stuff. Yep. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Jed, Jed, thank you, Jadzia Dax. Uh, was played by Terry Farrell. She was in Back to School. She was in Becker, and I was like smitten. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, I was smitten the second I saw yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, thank you for introducing me to Terry Farrell, John. Woo. <laughs> and then, as we mentioned from the movie, uh, L- uh, Lieutenant Commander Worf shows up. Uh, Michael Dorn again. Um, but yeah, his character shows up for uh, like the second half of the show 
kind of he's on quite a bit of episodes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then various other. This is Star Trek, so there's a lot of episodes. There's a lot of kind of kind of cameos or other random actors who pop in for to be different characters, to be different weird species, or to just be cameos. And so. You have people like Wallace Shawn, Brock Peters, uh, William Sadler, Tony Todd, Alan Oppenheimer, Charles Napier, Clint Howard, plenty other people all showed up to be on uh, Deep Space Nine at one point or another. Yeah. You talked about First Contact and your connection with that one. Why are we talking Deep Space Nine? Um, Well, we had already talked TNG, um, so I wanted to keep the Star Trek theme. Um, And out of all of the other series around this time, my next favorite would have been Deep Space Nine. But here's the thing. I actually didn't watch most of Deep Space Nine until the late 2000s. Okay. So after it was done. Yeah. My wife had watched all of DS9. She'd watch all of Voice. She'd watch everything. I kind Mm -hmm. of like stopped after TNG. And then I would see like a few episodes of of DS9 or Voyager here and there and stuff like that. Uh, it wasn't until later that we we literally did a run through of all of that stuff. We went we TNG straight into DS9, straight into Voyager and watched all of them and stopped mm-hmm. after that. I'm there are people who think that Enterprise is a great series. I'm not one of those people. Um, <laughs> I I also have this adverse oh, Isn't it the one with um uh, Bacula? Yes, but it's also like a prequel. And I have this adverse oh. thing against prequels where I'm like, I don't, I, you I, have want this, I, I, I just want the story to go forward. I don't give a shit about what happened in the past. Uh-huh. They've already explained it. And then inevitably, whenever they explain it in a show and they try to show it later, it's never mm-hmm. as cool as it was in my head. So just leave it in my head. You don't need to try and show it. That's, why, that's part of the reason why I hated the Solo film. I didn't need yeah. to see all the cool stuff he did. He told me about it. It yeah. was better it, in my it, head than it ever would have been true. on screen. So don't. You know that's why I hate that shit. Don't show me. Mm-hmm. Don't show me how the sausage is made. Just fry it up and give it to me. I'll eat it. Okay. Don't tell me what's in it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, whatever we were talking about. <laughs> the, All right. So anyway, um, so yeah, uh, so this show at least started uh, from what I remember, or from, so I watched the first episode, and I so what I saw here, or the first like you know three episodes or two episodes, it probably was split up two or two or three. It actually started off, kind of showed Picard being kidnapped by the Borg and the Borg and him as a Borg causing the destruction and death of the crew and the wife of um, Cisco. Uh, and then we kind of cut to three years later and we're getting this you know, interaction being very strenuous between them. They end up finding this wormhole you know, near the Deep Space Nine you know, space station or whatnot uh-huh. that they can travel between the alpha quadrant and the gamma quadrant, which kind of sets off a lot of different premises of the show. You're kind of exploring different areas of space. Yeah. Um, with this. And that's the whole, one of the main things about star Trek is you're exploring space and you're finding these new species and you're, right. you know, going on these adventures, etc. cetera. Uh, the show was the fourth series in the star Trek media franchise, uh, the third live action show, right? As we mentioned. So the original, TNG, and then this one, there was an animated show after the original series, but I don't remember it. I don't think anybody really watched it. No. I saw, I've um, seen like an episode. It's not good. Sure. Uh, and Deep Space Nine was the first uh, of the Star Trek series to be created without direct involvement from Gene Roddenberry. Uh, so they had some kind of different things that they could do because they didn't have his oversight and it was obvious and it was also the first one set on a space station rather than a traveling starship rather than being on 
a version of the Enterprise. Yeah, so there's a little bit of controversy here. The whole thing about Gene Roddenberry, um, Gene Roddenberry never allowed the writers of Next Generation to have consternation between the crew members. Like, big-time mm-hmm. consternation. You like to have little tiffs. Yeah. But he was very much against that. So it wasn't until basically after he passed that they were able to do that in DS9, where you actually yeah. had big-time conflicts between main characters. Which, honestly, you can get really good stories from that, because that's yes. reality. Yes. And and so they were they were kind of hindered, that, which is why they had so many different, you know, alien species and different enemies on TNG, because they had to, they, you couldn't do anything that was interpersonal gotcha. on the ship. You always had to be fighting, like, the next alien or whatever it is. Okay. That totally um, makes sense. The second controversy here is about a show we've already talked about. So at one point, the uh, writer, J. Michael Straczynski, pitched the idea about a space station show. He was rebuffed. They made DS9. He went Babylon. off and made Babylon, Babylon 5. Yeah, yeah. So there's, okay. like, there's, a, there's a whole tension there between them that, that uh, Straczynski says that they stole his idea. Which, in truth, is probably it probably has some truth to it. Probably okay. I don't know if it was as bad as maybe he says, but it you know it, we'll never know because we were never there. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, some other interesting things with this. So, because they were at this space station, um, a lot of like or, or multiple of the main characters. Part of the premise was Cisco and a couple other characters, Colomini's character, etc., um, were from the Federation. You know, mm-hmm. they were from uh, Starfleet and they came in and they're kind of like overseeing this Deep Space Nine space cra- space station. But there were other characters who were not part of the fleet. Right. Um, you know, so you got uh, who was that? That Ju- uh, no, um, yeah, Julian Bashir, I think, uh, and Quark, of course, Quark and others um, right. who are not part of Starfleet. And so you had you had an entire community going on and it wasn't yeah. just all you're right. It wasn't all one mission to go search for other, you know, creatures and shit. Yeah. So you could have more, you know, like different, a lot more different aliens. And even like the Ferengi up until that, the Ferengi are the ones with big giant ears. And that's what Quark is. And then there's also yeah. Nog and another one who's, there were three the, the, They had the Kardashians. They had the, yeah, the cut, yeah. No. Car- Kardashians. Kardashians. Not, Kardashians. <laughs> not, not Kardashians. We have to make a distinction there. Kardashians. Kardashians. Okay. Yes. And. Uh, also, um, oh, and I can't, I can't remember the name of, of Nana Visitors, uh, Kira's people. Um, they were enslaved by the Cardassians for a while, yeah. so there's tension. The one with the little nose triangles. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it starts with a, I think it starts with a B, and I, I, I can't believe I'm forgetting all this. Uh, there's a lot of tension between them. But it's, it, to me, it allowed for some more interesting stories, a lot more interesting characters. One of my favorite characters on the whole series was a Cardassian who was a hairdresser. Oh, wow. But he was also a former intelligence agent for the Cardassians, so. Aren't, aren't the Cardassians, yeah, they were the villains of the, of the show, right? Or one of the, or maybe yes. just that one, that main one. Well, uh, like, the, okay. there was, there's constant tension. Because they're, okay. they're sort of like it's like a like a very flimsy truce between the Federation and them. Okay, and then uh, I mean, and then there's there's history between um, tension between the Bajorans and the Cardassians because of what they did, you know, what the Cardassians did the Bajorans. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's just it like it's tense 
all the time okay. on the ship. Like somebody hates somebody else at any given moment. <laughs> right. Uh, I did see in the third season, that's when we talked about the Defiant uh, came on uh, mm-hmm. to kind of in, in Worf took over that. And he was kind of, um, it, it enabled some stories to be kind of away from the space station. Right. They can kind of go on adventures, shit like that. Uh, and then also the final three seasons dealing with an arc between the Federation and an invading Gamma Quadrant power called the Dominion. Yes. So I don't know anything about the Dominion. How would you compare them to the Borg? So the Dominion, um, they're kind of like, they're they're not really, it's not like a species. So it's, mm. it's just sort of like a, a group. Um, there's different species in them. There's the founders who are also called changelings. And that's important. Oh, is that what Odo is? That's what Odo is. Okay. Odo is a changeling. So typically the changelings are seen as being evil. Odo is sort of like the one exception. It also They also play a big part in the third season of Star Trek Picard. Oh. And there's a huge war and it, it ends with, I guess I, I'm going to spoil this. It basically it ends with, with uh, Starfleet poisoning the home world Ooh. of the changelings. That's not very nice. Uh, well, the changelings were like, it was... They were going to be hard to stop. They also had this other species called the Gem Hadar, which were like these big, sort of lizard-looking, almost guys who had like plate, like lizard armor uh, on their mm-hmm. bodies, on their skin, like they're just big. They're like big, brutish guys. Okay, you know they're the muscle. Um, and then there was another one I think called the Vorta, which I can't remember exactly. So they're they're more of a coalition than anything like that. Um, but yeah, that that. That was sort of like sort of the end towards the end of this the series this this big war with the with the Dominion. Okay, although not as popular as Next Generation, it was still pretty well received by critics. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, uh, Voyager began. It says it began in '95, and so that these kind of ran concurrently, like for the last like three four years. Yeah. Uh, let's do talk very briefly about uh, there was a theme song. And the theme song was written by Dennis McCarthy, who did the music for it. Also did music for, like, other Star Trek stuff, right. MacGyver and other things as well. So, And the theme song was fine. It's very Star yeah. Trek-y. It's fine. It's, you yeah. know, it's no it's Jerry Goldsmith, but it's fine. No, it's not not as good as Next Generation's opening. And right. Next Generation's opening is awesome. Yeah. And so that's the end of what I've got. Is there anything else you want to mention about Deep Space Nine? I mean, we could deep dive forever into yeah. this. It was one that I came to later, but I did come to appreciate it. I, I think, critically speaking, this is the better series. To me, TNG was the more fun series mm. to watch, which and it's also much more nostalgic for me because I had watched almost everything when I was a kid. I didn't see this until I was well into adulthood. Um, and probably, maybe it was for the better because by then I could really appreciate the intricacies of the the writing sure. for this one. I was afraid that I was not going to like Voyager when I saw it because a lot of people were like, oh, Voyager was horrible. It was fine. It okay. was a little bit more like TNG, but right. they just get lost in the Delta Quadrant and have to make their way back. So, um, okay. But as far as this one goes, there's a lot of cool characters, a lot of fun stories. Um, and if you've never, if you like Star Trek at all but have never watched it, it is definitely worth going through the whole series. 
so I'll mention my thoughts as well. Um, I have nostalgia for Next Generation, but it's a very sparse nostalgia. It's mm-hmm. not what John has. And so I watched these this first episode, this first kind of long uh, elongated movie episode, and I found it pretty damn interesting. I'm not going to lie. Out of all the series, I think you would like this one the best. And that's that's what I got from it. From that first one, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, I think this might be the Star Trek series for me. Mm-hmm. Do I have the time to watch it? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I've got so much to fucking watch. I know. But if I ever do find the time, I'm not going to watch Next Generation or other stuff. I've realized, I think this, and just from watching it for this, this is the one that I think I would latch onto the best. I think so too. And it's like a lot of the Star Trek series, the first couple of seasons are okay. And once it mm. finds its voice, it gets a, it gets a lot sure. better. Um, there, it, there's a weird dip kind of in towards the end. We lose Terry Farrell, I think in the last season mm. and they replace uh, her. Uh, that, fuck it. I, I don't know if I, <laughs> I want to keep looking at her. I want her. They in replace her with another actress. Um, <laughs> who's very pretty. Okay. Very pretty. I'll take that. Pretty's um, good. Um, and, and her character is okay. I don't think her character is... Is it, is it the same slug thing? Yes, it is, is the, the same, same slug, slug thing. Is, okay. Yes. That makes sense. Um, and honestly, that's part of the reason why I love that character because the slug thing is kind of like non-gendered. Uh, so yeah. like Worf has history with that. Uh, if, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember if it happens in the first season, but uh, uh, Avery Brooks's character calls her old man a lot. Yeah, it was, it was in that first bit. Yes, because I saw that. Because he, he used to be in a Klingon. Yeah. That was old. So it's, it's, it's really, it, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening in this. Yeah. And I agree. I think that is the series for you. Okay. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Star Trek. This is the exploration pod of the USS Enterprise, part of the Star Trek collection, each sold separately. Star Trek. This is the Klingon cruiser and the Vulcan shuttle. Vulcan shuttle has a breakaway cockpit. You can pretend they battle through space as you send the Enterprise to the rescue. Star Trek. USS Enterprise, Klingon Cruiser, and Vulcan Shuttle from the Star Trek Collection, each sold separately by Mego. All right, as we mentioned at the top, we are going to be doing a pitching more than a casting, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, We kind of created our own little series ideas, and uh, we're going to pitch the characters. I created character names. I don't know if you did. Uh, I didn't do character names, but I did character kind of um, personalities. Okay, fine. That's that's good. I did create names, but honestly, like I'm not attached to the names. I kind of just yeah. I was like, well, I guess I should create character names for so, this. Um, I I think it's a great idea. I love that. Do I think we should not do go back and forth? I agree. I agree. Okay. I was just gonna say that uh, I was gonna just let you do the whole pitch sure. first, and then I'll go second. Um, and okay. I, I kind of came up with an, I guess, a name for the show, although I'm not tied necessarily tied to that either. But um, why don't you go ahead and do your whole spiel? All right. So Starfleet is a space force maintained by the United Federation of Planets as the principal means for conducting deep space exploration, research, defense, peacekeeping, and diplomacy. That's what Wikipedia told me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but some se- sectors of space need a firmer hand to keep the peace. That's where the covert team Shadow Fleet comes in. 
This special forces team gets called into action when the regular fleet just won't do. So I'm doing kind of like almost like a covert ops style. It's called Star Trek Shadow Fleet. I love it. I already love it. So, yeah, it's something I think very different. It's not like just the, hey, we're exploring space. It's a think like X-Force from the X-Men or Bad Batch from Star Wars or whatever. But like they're their own. And so I did cast every single one of those kind of characters, but it's not going to be there's not going to be red shirts. There's not going to be a whole bunch of other crew like it is a small. So we talk about the type of ship, small ship. I don't know if Defiant seemed fairly small. Something like that, where it's just a smallest ship, where you need this crew of like six or seven, and they run the whole thing, and you get the drama from that, and then from, you know, they meet people at different places, and all that other kind of shit. I do want to say, my my show is going to be a high production value series, uh, uh, like uh, streaming series, think right. HBO, Prime, whatever, and I want well, some of this stuff in my- Paramount, because they own the rights, but- Sure, Paramount- it's going to be intense. I want there to be deaths. I want there to be even my main characters. I think by the end of season one, my main character, my my captain will die. And then the second person will come in mm. for like season two as the main dude. Like I, I want there to be legit stakes okay. on this show. Cool. So, all right. So that's where we got again. So think that covert style. Um, the main big bad for, for my show, at least for like that season one, we'll see how things go. It's a radical Vulcan. So Vulcans are known to be logical. Yes. Um, and they're not really evil or good. They're just kind of right down the middle. This one, he's logical, but he's he's realized in his head the only logical way for peace to spread through the galaxy is through mass genocide of lesser beings to force others to think like he does. Think Hitler-esque, if you will. Sure. But he's a Vulcan, and he leads a massive all, uh, army of followers, and it's going to be played by the amazing villain actor and just great actor in general, Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, yeah. He's from Rogue One. He was a great villain in Ready Player One. Uh, He's in Robin Hood. He was also the villain in that, a more recent one. Um, But we see him as uh, one of the... uh, What the fuck can I think of their names? Oh, my God. Uh, In Marvel. He's the scroll. He's a scroll in Marvel. So he's he's already known for having ears. He can make that work. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so he's going to be the big bad, at least for this first season, if you will. All right, we'll move into Medical Officer. My medical officer, uh, she think more of like a war medic style, like she's out in the field, right. uh, but she's also capable in battle, uh, and she is married to my science officer, oh, and nice. I'm going with a pretty big name, she's solid, Claire Danes, she's from Homeland, oh, yeah. so she's, she knows what she's doing when it comes to action, and she's got great presence. I like it. Uh, security, security officer. He is the uh, captain's best friend who's been around as long as he has. Uh, an alien of some type. I'm not sure. Maybe Romulan. Maybe Klingon. Not sure. One of those. Something that can be kind of aggressive and large. I, I don't think it would be Romulans because Romulans hate the Federation. Okay. All right. Well, maybe. Well, maybe. Maybe I like that. Particularly like that. Maybe he's a rogue Romulan. Sure. And they, sure. Fighting a fighting this rogue Vul- uh, Vulcan. Sure. You know. I, I think maybe particularly I'm cool with that. But. You know, he he's even though he's been around for so long, he's content and happy in the field as more of a grunt mentality, mm-hmm. you know, kind of say security officer, officer, maybe bomb specialist, that kind of stuff. But he's big, has has some, uh, you know, heft to him. He's tall. Uh, Rory McCann from Game of Thrones. Uh, he was oh, uh, wow. the, the hound. Yeah. Big dude. Yeah. But he's also as the hound. He's also good having shit on his face. He can act yes. while still having prosthetics. And so I think. Having him be a, some kind of alien ties in. Sure. Communication officer. 
Uh, again, I, know I want another alien here. I'm not sure what type. Uh, it'll be figured out for the show. Great at communications, but also great at machinery. So think think like good at, at building particularly mechanical stuff. Almost, uh, I got a couple of ties in here to, to Firefly, if you will. But like, who is that mechanical, the, the cute mechanical girl? Kay- Kaylee? Kaylee, yeah. But but not like, not quirky like Kaylee. This one's a little bit more unhinged. Almost like Mad-Eye, Mur- like, uh, like, um, <laughs> like Murdoch from, yeah, he's a little <laughs> bit more crazy like that. Uh, and uh, secretly in love with the helmsman. Uh, and it's going to be played by Paul Dano from oh, nice. The Riddler, the Batman. He's yeah. he's he's quirky. He can be quirky. He can be unhinged. I like that. Uh, our helmsman is a talented fighter and strategic thinker. Uh, an alien race, but not too alien. Think um, similar to the Triangle Nose people. The Bajorans or something like that. Bajorans or something very similar where they're still hot. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'd still, I'd fuck them. Sure. That kind of thing. There's going to be tension Possibly even sexual tension with the first officer because she feels that she deserves to be second in command instead. And so they're going to have that tension. And this is going to be played by Anna de Armas. Oh, wow. Attractive. She's a big name right now. Yep. Probably too big for this. But you know what? I'm guessing it. She's a knives out. Tons of stuff. Uh, my science officer. He is a uh, he's sciencey. So he's tech hacking specialist. He goes in when you have to have some of these tech special jobs. He is uh, going to be played by Dominic Moynihan. Oh wow! Uh, from um, uh, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, etc. And he's a, he's such a good side character. He also yeah. brings some humor to the show. Sure. Think his relationship with the medical officer played by Claire Danes is going to be very similar to Wash and Zoe from Firefly. Okay. It's going to that aspect. She's a little bit more fun, but badass, and hardened. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. All right. We'll dive into our first officer. He's younger. He's by the book. He's the newest member of the crew, but was placed in second in command by Starfleet because of his massively high test scores and his fighting skills. Uh, he's a guy I want to see more of, like just in general. Simu Liu. Simu Liu, he played Shang-Chi in the Shang-Chi movie. Sure. He's going to be my second in command. And like I said, I, my plan is for the first season, my first, uh, my captain will like, die and then he'll take over. Um, and again, maybe some sexual tension between him and the helmsman slash Anna de Armas character. And now our captain is a gristled vet. Uh, he's managed to live this long because of his improv- improvisation and quick thinking. This guy has already done those kind of characters. He's actually already been in the Star Trek universe, but he played an alien in Star Trek Beyond. I don't care. Sure. He And he already did this type of character kind of in the James Gunn. Uh, Suicide Squad, Idris Elba is going to be the captain of my Star Trek Shadow Fleet. That was a fantastic pitch. I loved everything about that. I loved everything about that. I did not deep dive into the personalities of each character nearly as much as you did. So uh, that was, that was like, I'm ready for that show. Cool. I'm ready for that show. So mine is very similar. I also was thinking like tactical team and I almost went almost the exact same route you did until the end and I decided to flip a little bit mine is a small group of officers who are a team Mm -hmm. who have been inserted into the Romulan military oh so these they're um like they're they're doing uh, what was that like covert covert, yeah yeah but they're um so what's that word? Uh, so mine is called Star Trek Insurgents. So, insurgents. So they're oh, inserted into 
the Romulan military. They're on a ship in the Romulan military, but they're yeah. secret. Kind of like think like Hunt for Red October, where like the officers were really like against mm. what the rest of the crew was doing. So there's okay. Um, there will be times where I'll have to figure out how to get them off the ship to do a separate thing where they're not in makeup and yeah. stuff like are that. They, are they all so? Are they, so they're they're not necessarily Romulans. They're not Romulans. They're they in a lot uh, in several shows. In several episodes, they actually had someone inserted into the Romulans by putting like they changed their features. Oh, okay. um, that happened a couple of times with different with different species where they would surgically alter the people so that they could basically like interact with the species without the species knowing what it's. Usually, it was like for first contact stuff, so they kind of mm-hmm. get to know the species a little bit better. So this okay. is they'd spend a lot of time in Romulan makeup. So their ship is going to be a Romulan warbird. So this is okay. one where it's going to be slightly different because I didn't pick a. I was originally going to go with a Starship one, like an Akira class or something like the Define uh-huh. or something like that, and then I switched my idea. So I was like, well, their ship has to be a Romulan warbird, so they're going to have to be able to do things on a warbird and kind of disguise the good things they do as for mm. the Romulan fleet. And maybe they're maybe they're a ship that's just sent out to do sort of similar, like they're there to explore, and maybe like. Because they got to be able to do things without the eye of the Romulan government being being always on them. Yeah. So I'll figure that out. I kind of figured out how I'm going to do that. So uh, my big bad is going to be probably the head Romulan, uh, the guy that they're always trying to work against. <sighs> There's no uh, – the I just went with the guy who first came to my head because he plays a great uh, badass villain. I went with Giancarlo Esposito. <laughs> he, he plays a great villain. Absolutely. So <laughs> – I you know not too much going on there. All right, so my medical officer, I decide. So we've had diff- they've had different types of medical you know officers. They've they've had uh, they had Doctor Crusher, Bashir, who turned out to be sort of an enhanced human. Uh, in Voyager, it was the hologram. So I decided oh, okay. oh, that, that was that was uh, Picardo. Picardo, yeah. So I decided okay. my uh, my medical officer is going to be a little bit more detached and logical. And since the Romulans and the Vulcans are basically the same people, just they they look very similar. Well, they are. They're the same people. They've just been divided by culture and time. Uh, Is going to be a Vulcan, uh, and his name is Commander Steth, and he will be played by Ryan Potter, who played Beast Boy in Dooms in Doom Patrol and Titans as well. Okay, I actually he wasn't in Doom Patrol, but he was in Titans. Okay, okay, okay. I mean. I've only seen one episode of Titans. It's okay. It's it's very hit or miss. I don't uh, know enough about him, but hey, if he's playing Beast Boy, he'll be able to kind of do like you know play other yeah. cultures and other other species. And I also kind of wanted him to be kind of young. I didn't want him to yeah. be an older Vulcan. I wanted to be a younger Vulcan. Okay. Uh, okay. So my security officer is going to be a human, and Adam, you're not going to like this casting. Because his name is Lieutenant Shui Jack Kai, played by Simu Liu. <laughs> hey, we both used him. Yeah, that's hey, it's fine. Hey, we we both like, and we we obviously both want to see him in more shit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's where I decided to go a little fun. So my communications officer is the biggest motherfucker in the room. Okay, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna make my big guy not the security guy, sure, the communications guy. Uh, and he is actually going to be a he be like he's going to be half human and half Cardassian. Oh, okay. okay, so like he's going to be kind of like that before in yeah, the show. So where kind you of can, like a yeah. little a, a little bit of a, a hybrid. 
Um, and he's going to be played by Jack Reacher himself, Alan Richson. Okay, he's big. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I've used him or you've used him before in a casting. It's a good call. Yep. Um, okay, my helmsman, I wanted a, a young helmsman, not quite as young as Will Wheaton, uh-huh. but a one who is still pretty new. Like she'll, so she's kind of like she's thrown into the situation. Maybe the original Helmsman something happened, so she they needed to go with the younger. So she's gonna be it's gonna be Ensign Molly Bria, played by Millie Alcock. Oh yeah, we've both talked about how much we love her. Um, yeah, you know I I'm sad and I, I I'm disappointed. I'm not gonna see her more in like the the um, Game of Thrones series, yeah. basically. Or, or maybe uh, they'll do some some th- uh, yeah flashbacks uh, flashbacks or something like that. But it won't be the same. Yeah, it won't be. She's she's great, absolutely great. I love seeing her in whatever she whatever she does next. Uh, my science officer, uh, I didn't think too much of my science officer, uh, other than I'm gonna. I called him uh, Lieutenant Magnus Alba, Alaba, uh, and he's gonna be played by Jovian Wade, who was Cyclops in Doom Patrol. So I went back to that. Well, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I like uh, we all we all, we're both fans of um, Doom Patrol, so cool. I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, all right, uh, my first officer, uh, when I named her Commander Lewin Ricky, I immediately thought of this care of this actress because I really liked what she's been doing on the Mandalorian series, even though we didn't see her all that much, and we hate her because she's a bad character. Uh, she plays the the person that Esposito's character inserted into the New Republic. Oh, okay. I can't remember yeah, the yeah, character's yeah. name. Short hair. Short hair. Uh, her name is Katie M. O'Brien. She's pretty she's solid. Be my, she, she's solid she's be my in, first, in that role. Yeah. Yeah, she's going to be my first officer. That's good. I, I Yeah, I like that. All right, and then my captain. This is the first person I picked, and I knew exactly who it was going to be. And unfortunately, I'm going to butcher her name because I can never pronounce it. Uh, but she was a fucking badass in The Expanse the TV show, The Expanse. Um, and actually, she's already, she was in Star Trek Beyond, but I'm changing her character. I don't give a shit. And her name is Shorey Adaslu. And I'm, I'll have to spell it for you because I don't even know if I, I pronounced it right. I, fa- I see her. I found her through The Expanse. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about the show, and I don't really know much about her. She is an absolute badass in that show. She plays uh, kind of a politician who kind of becomes the president of Earth. Okay. Uh, in that show, and she's she's so cool in that show, and I, I wanted I wanted a badass. I wanted sure. a badass captain for something like this. You've, you've got and to if you're going to be inserting yeah. people into such a, a intense force like the Romulans. I think you got to have this intent. I love that we both went covert kind of with it. Like we're doing these yeah. separate kind of because we've seen oh explore space and all. This, and we want something a little bit different. So I had two, I actually had two ideas, and this was the idea I went with. The other one was like mash in space. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sort of like a medical drama, but on like sure. a medical on a medical ship. Okay, on a Star Trek medical ship. But I was like, you know what? That's not going to be as fun. Yeah, like yeah. maybe that's the follow up series. Maybe maybe okay. my doctor leaves after this and goes and starts. <laughs> that'll be the spinoff series or something Could like be. that. Could but, be. But yeah, I I I I like that. We both want to see some darker mm-hmm. content. From yes. our, our in our Star Trek universe, and to me, there is always room for the very positive thing, and I think it's necessary. You need that. Yeah. 
But every so often, we can have something a little bit darker. And I think I, I like that we both went in that direction. Yep, absolutely. I mean, these, these uh, sound fantastic. I'm not going to lie. Both of them sound great. So, uh, all right. That was our uh, Star Trek series pitches. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. John and I go over our favorite guitar solos. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.